What happens when you die? Is life just over? Your heart is beating one moment and then it stops. Is that the end of the story? Life is and then life isn't? We're going to think about these questions as we look at the scriptures this morning. We'll be in Luke 24. We'll be looking at verses 13 through 35. If you don't have a Bible, I invite you to take a pew Bible. We'll be on page 939. At this point in the biblical story, Jesus has been nailed to a cross. He has been buried. Let's look at Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you were walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish! And slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going and gave the impression that he was going further. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. They recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them gathered together who said the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now in verses 13 and 14, we see two of Christ's followers traveling on a Sunday to a village about seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus. These two were talking about all that had happened over the course of the last few days. After all, if you think about it, a lot had happened. There had been crowds of people in Jerusalem. There was practically a riot. The religious leaders had handed over Jesus to be crucified. He had been nailed to a cross. It had been a tumultuous few days. In verses 15 and 16, Jesus meets up with these two, but he prevents them from recognizing who he is. As he approached them, they were talking together and their, their talk had almost turned into an argument. I mean, their hearts were filled with sorrow. Their hearts were filled with bitter disappointment and confusion. And it's in the midst of this turmoil that 
that a dispute arises between the two of them. In verse 17, Jesus asked the two men, hey, what are, what are you arguing about? At this point, they just stopped walking, and their discouragement was evident. In verse 18, we're given the name of one of these men, Cleopas. When Jesus asked about their dispute, Cleopas spoke up. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. And he answers Jesus with a smart aleck answer. Are you the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's happened? Have you had your head in the sand? That's what he's saying to Jesus. Now consider the irony of this situation. Cleopas responds sharply to Jesus, suggesting that Jesus had no clue what was going on. In reality, Jesus was the only person on the whole planet who really understood all that had happened in Jerusalem. Indeed, there were some clueless characters in this conversation, but Jesus, he wasn't one of them. In verse 19, Jesus said to the men, tell me more. They explained that Jesus was a powerful prophet in, in his action and in his speech. And from their words, we see that they had great respect for Jesus. But we also see that they believed in a little Jesus. He was a powerful prophet, yes, but Jesus was far more than that. They hadn't yet grasped just how incredible Jesus really is. They told the risen Lord how the religious leaders had Jesus crucified. And then they explained what they had hoped for. They had hoped that the Messiah would come and deliver Israel. So many in this time period expected Jesus to come or expected a Messiah to come and to set Israel free from foreign control. For, for hundreds of years, they had had foreign rulers exercising oversight of, of Jerusalem and, and the Israelite uh, people. And so the Israelites dreamed of one who would come and, and reestablish a strong nation. And that's what these fellows had hoped, more than likely. That seems to be what they indicate. They said our hopes were dashed. This man that we, that we followed and believed in, he's been executed. In verse 22, they explained that the situation gets even crazier. Because some of the women who followed Jesus had apparently gone to the tomb and they found the tomb empty and, and they said angels appeared to them and, and said that, that Jesus was still alive. But they didn't know of anyone who had actually seen Jesus. In verse 25, Jesus spoke into their confusion and he, he rebukes them for being slow to believe. After all, when Jesus was here on earth, he taught that he had to be crucified, that he had to be buried and that he would be raised so Jesus went back to the beginning and he begins with, with Moses and he begins to explain to the people how, how the Old Testament, to, to these two people, how the Old Testament was written about him, that the scriptures point to him. So we've seen that Jesus meets up with two of his disciples who were walking along the road to Emmaus. They were confused, they were discouraged, and he began to teach them. Though at this point, they had no idea who they were really talking with. These two men are about to be blown away. Let's see what happens next. In verse 28, they get to Emmaus. Now, Jesus was, was planning to travel further, but the men urged him to stay. So Jesus agreed to stop at Emmaus with them. In verse 30, Jesus and, this, and the men share a meal together. They're, they're, they're gathered around the table. At this point, Cleopas and his friends still don't recognize who Jesus is, but they understand that he's someone with authority. Now in verse 
31, the risen Lord opened their eyes. He opened their eyes and they realized that they were speaking with Jesus all along. Then, in a moment, Jesus was gone. He disappeared. After all, think about this. His physical presence is no longer necessary. Now, Now that they grasp the reality that Jesus is alive, Jesus is spiritually present everywhere with his believers. Now, in verse 32, the men reflect on what had just happened. This was their aha moment. Now things made sense. They knew they had been talking with someone special. It was the risen Lord Jesus himself. And they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire as we spoke with him? So the men are at Emmaus. Jesus has opened their eyes. They realize they've been with Jesus the whole time. Let's see what they do next. In verse 33, they were so excited, they're headed back to Jerusalem. It had to have been getting late, but they weren't waiting. They wanted to get back to the other disciples and tell them what had happened. So they meet up with the rest of Jesus' disciples. In fact, these followers of Jesus had a message for them too. The risen Christ had appeared to Peter also. Now in verse 35, Cleopas and his friends shared about their encounter with Jesus. These multiple appearances make it clear that Jesus is with his people no matter their physical location. At one moment, the risen Lord is with Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. At another moment, he's back in Jerusalem with the followers there. The Lord is present with his people. In fact, Scripture records at least 10 different occasions in which the risen Lord appeared to his followers after the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 6, Jesus appeared to more than 500 followers at one time. And the Bible teaches us that we can expect one more appearance of the Lord Jesus. He will appear again when he returns in glory at the end of time. As we think about Luke 24, 13 through 35, what's the main idea? The resurrection of Jesus means that you can know him personally and have eternal life. Do you see the resurrection of Jesus means that you can know him personally and you can have eternal life. We're not just talking about events that occurred 2,000 years ago that are meaningless. No, these events change our lives now and they change our lives for all eternity. Through the years, I've had the honor of being near the bedside of many Christians who were nearing death. I have seen remarkable courage and unfading hope. I can see godly saints smiling faintly and saying, I'm ready to go and be with Jesus. Or the Lord has been so good to me. He's taken care of me. Or words like this, I have so much to give God praise for. Even in the midst of great pain, I can remember one saint saying over and over, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you. Now these moments, they're lodged in my mind. The words echo in my soul. How could these believers face death with such peace, with such courage? How? Because they knew the Lord Jesus. Because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They knew him personally. They knew that death wasn't the end of their story. They knew that death was actually a journey to new life with Christ, to new life in heaven. So they could look death squarely in the eye and do so with a sense of strength and joy. Now let's reflect on how these truths ought to shape our lives. 
first, do you see Jesus for who he really is? Do you see Jesus for for who he really is? These two men that, that we've been talking about this morning, they had a little view of Jesus. They didn't realize just how great he really was. What about you? Do you recognize that that Jesus is God Almighty? That he came to this earth to save and to rescue you from sin and death? Or do you have a small view of Jesus in which he's more like a good luck charm? When you kind of get in a bind, you you start calling out to him, but otherwise you've got no interest in him. Is he a good luck charm to you? Or do you follow the group that says he was just a good man? Sure, he lived, but, but he was just a good man. Friends, the Bible teaches us that Jesus lived, that he died, and that he came back to life, overcoming the power of sin and overcoming the power of death. Is that the Jesus that you believe in? Next, ask yourself this question. Do I really know Jesus? Do I really know him? Being a good person will not save you. So many people think, well, one day I'll stand before Jesus and I'm going to tell him how good I was. I never killed anyone. I helped people. I never robbed a bank. Friends, you'll never stand before God in all of his holiness telling him how good you are. You and I have no hope if our own goodness would save us, our only hope is in the Lord Jesus. So you must ask yourself, do I really know him? Do I really know him? Have I I placed my faith in him? You see, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you call out to Jesus, he saves you. You say to Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that that I've done wrong. I'm asking you to forgive me. I, I want to follow you. And the Bible teaches us that when we call out to Jesus like that, he saves us. So do you really know Jesus Next, ask the Lord to open your eyes to help you see Jesus for who he really is. Cleopas and his friend, they couldn't see Jesus for who he really was until he opened their eyes. So friends, I would say to you today, if you don't feel close to Jesus, if maybe you're not sure if you know him, a great prayer to pray is, Jesus, open my eyes. Help me to see you. Help me to recognize how great you are and how glorious you are. Next, God grants a deeper relationship to those who really seek him. God grants a deeper relationship to those who really seek him. When these two disciples came to Emmaus, they wanted more. And so they said to Jesus, don't keep going. Jesus, you stay here with us. They they, they wanted to, to understand more. They wanted to understand the word of God. They wanted to get to know God more. Do you have that hunger to be with Jesus? Do you have that hunger to get to know him more, to, to know his word? This morning, ask the Lord to give you a hunger to know him more. Oh, we've seen that Jesus was raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. The renowned physicist and cosmologist Stephen Hawking said these words, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Is Hawking right? Are you just a complex computer? Is death the end of the story? Is the idea of having heaven nothing more than a fairy tale for those who are afraid of the dark? Will the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ tell us that Hawking couldn't be more wrong? You see, Jesus rose from the grave and he conquered death. And in Christ, friends, we will live again. 
in him, we will know the joy of eternal life. This morning, we don't have time to focus on reasons to have confidence in the resurrection of Jesus. But if you're here and you have doubts about the resurrection of Jesus, you're not sure if you really believe that could be a a historical fact. I want you to know there are good reasons to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Good reasons. It's not a blind leap of faith to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Again, we can't cover those, but I want to say to you, friend, if you want to know more about that and you've got questions, let me know. I've got resources that I can, that I can uh, loan to you. I can direct you to websites. There are solid reasons to believe in the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Jesus means that you can know Jesus personally. It means that you that you can have eternal life. Christians, ask the Lord to give you a longing to know Him more. Ask Him to give you a hunger to, to, to be with Him. Urge Him to stay with you like these two did at Emmaus. And for those of you who are not here, I ask you today, when death comes your way, Will you be ready? When your heart beats for the final time, friend, what will that mean for you? Well, the Bible makes it clear that if you die apart from Christ, you'll spend eternity, as you always demanded here on earth, you'll spend eternity apart from Him. But it doesn't have to be that way. You see, when death comes... It can, it can be a portal into eternal joy. How? We'll call out to Jesus this morning. Say to him, I know I've sinned. I believe you died on that cross and that you rose again. And Jesus, I want to know you. And then when death comes, as it will for every one of us, if the Lord tarries, we can be ready for we will live again. Join me in prayer.